Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host. Has he lost his mind? Can he see? Or is he blind? It's Micah. What song is that from? Iron Man, dude. Oh. Like Black Sabbath Iron Man? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, There is... There's a guy on YouTube who is a clown that does acoustic covers. And... Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I know that this... It's a weird way to open this up. But I found him during the pandemic. His name is Puddles. He goes by Puddles the Clown. And his YouTube channel is called Puddles Pity Party. (laughs) Okay. There's a point to this, I promise. I found an acoustic version. He does an acoustic cover of Crazy Train. And it is legitimately the best version of Crazy Train I've ever heard. It's so good. Okay, I'm listening to that tonight. It's just a guy and his guitar. Well, it's, it's Puddles... He's singing. There's another guy playing, but it's amazing. It's such a good cover. Yeah. Just a clown and a guitar Just, covering Ozzy. That's exactly what it is. You know, yeah. the age old tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's got, he does other covers too. Um, but that was the one that really stood out to me. I just thought that that was such a cool, I would listen to that just on repeat for, it was such a cool cover. That's very neat. Yeah. I'd highly recommend that. It was, it was a good one. Yeah, dude, speaking of clowns, randomly, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I were talking about you last night. Oh, geez. Okay. I, I guess the clowns, it just, yeah, how, clowns where was, led me to where, this. Where was clowns? At, where? Okay, so for uh, a little context for the audience, yeah. as of the recording of this, yesterday was Halloween day. Mm, yep. So uh, we went trick-or-treating, we, we took the baby, and we went out with our niece and nephew, and okay. uh, my in-laws. I thought you were just going to say that you just took your baby trick-or-treating so that you guys could get more candy. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. We all did like a, uh, we did like a family costume. My niece and nephew were Princess Peach and Bowser. Okay. And me and Kendra, and as well as their parents were all, were dressed as Mario and Luigi. Oh, okay. And then the baby was Toad. That's fantastic. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. Because we have like the carrier that goes on the front, and Kendra made a sweet-ass, uh, like she took a green piece of uh, poster board, yeah. and made it look like one of the tubes. Oh, so it looked like he was po- she was like carrying it around. The- and it looked like he was popping out of a tube. That's amazing. It was very cool. Yeah, it was real good. In any case, though, we're walking around at Halloween, and I was telling her, I was like, "Dude, Micah hates Halloween." <laughs> we were just talking about how stupid you are for not liking Halloween. I was like, "What doesn't he like about this? It's awesome." <laughs> Because it was so much fun. All the kids were having so much fun. And I'm sure. like, isn't Micah stupid? He doesn't like Halloween. <laughs> that side of that's Halloween not exactly how I yeah, phrased right. it, but. <laughs> oh, no. It, I mean, you're not wrong on that part. I, I'm not a fan. There is a nice kind of uh, consumerism side of Halloween that I'm okay with. It's just fun. It's, it's just Some fun. Some of it's just like fun. A, it's the most fun holiday. Let me. It's make, not the most make, fun. Ho- Chris, literally, you get 
a tree filled with presents for you for Christmas. Okay, uh, agreed. Okay, maybe it's not the most fun. Holiday. All right, all right. I'll call. I down. would say it is. It stays the most fun holiday through every phase of your life because it's certain phases i disagree okay look you're a kid (laughs) what's better than you get to dress up like that's fun you get to get candy fucking dope you get candy on easter and then you turn into a teenager Uh uh-huh and uh and then you can egg houses and smash pumpkins and throw toilet papers and trees you know what i mean then it becomes kind of like uh and not at sure, you know, but I'm just saying it's yeah. it still stays fun. Like even <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> vandalism is so much fun. Even if you're somebody who didn't vandalize, it still stays fun. You get, dressing up is always fun. Okay, yeah. And then you get to be like in your late teens, early twenties, and now, like it's fully acceptable for girls to just dress up all slutty. And it's like, oh, I'm a pirate, and it's like we see what you're doing. Yeah, like. Yeah. Like every girl's like, I'm a skanky pirate. I'm a slutty <laughs> kitten. And it's just like it just all there. So it's still it stays fun because now it has a different element. And then you become our age mm-hmm. where you have kids and now you get to watch them have fun. You get to hand out candy. It still stays. fun. It just as far as how fun the holiday is, there's no variance. There's no variance with Christmas. I think it's a it's a little bit of a it dips. You know, when you're a kid, it's awesome. Sure. And as you get older, it gets less. It's still, it's still nice. Yeah. But then it eventually becomes more about the family. And then once again, you get to our age, you get to watch your kids open presents. It gets fun again. Mm-hmm. But there's that dip. Halloween, no dip, no dip. <laughs> it's a straight line of fun from start to finish. For, yeah. The I can see that argument. I can understand that argument. There are things that I like about Halloween, like the parties. They, that's fun. Um, getting candies, kind of cool, I guess. But I was never really raised with candy, so I didn't eat much candy. Like, if I ever said I was hungry, my parents would give me broccoli. Legitimately, they would just give me a stalk of broccoli. And <laughs> be like, here you go. Eat it. Like, that would be my snack. I don't know. Maybe it's just my upbringing. But I just don't. Halloween's the worst holiday. It's the worst one out of all of them. Maybe. Let me think. Hold on. We have on. Thanksgiving coming up. You think Thanksgiving is better than Halloween? So much better than <laughs> Halloween. Are you kidding me? You get to just totally perform gluttony on yourself. Yeah, you can do that with Halloween. You get candy. But it's not the same. You get like. Uh, again, I'm not into candy. And also, you don't have to spend time with your weird racist uncle talking. You know oh what I mean? Oh, my God. Just eat the turkey, get the tryptophan, and pass out. That's what they're going to do anyway. We're talking about heavy metal today. <laughs> Let's talk about heavy metal. Jeez. I'm still on Halloween. Okay, heavy metal. Let's do it. Call it heavy metal. Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? 
In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty, folks, so today we are discussing Heavy Metal, the 1981 animated science fiction slash fantasy slash just kind of generally weird anthology animated film. Uh, just a little bit about it. It was directed by Gerald Potterton. Uh, screenplay was by Dan Goldberg and Leo Bloom. Um, and it's based on the original art and stories of a uh, like a magazine by the same name. And uh, it has a pretty a pretty big cast, a lot of them not super notable. Uh, probably the most notable ones, uh, you have John Candy, Harold Ramis, and Eugene Levy. Dude, the fact that John Candy is in this is wild to me. <laughs> yeah, he plays a couple of different parts. And honestly, where he plays the main character, that specific, they call them segments. Okay. Because it is an anthology, and so his segment is the segment called Den which is kind of generally by most people considered to be like the best segment of the film. Which one is that one? Uh, it is the one where he's this, the dorky science kid who gets transported to like oh. a different planet. And yeah. all of a sudden he's like fucking Hercules. Yeah. Okay. Who, who did, did he play the dorky science kid? Yeah. He played Dan. That's hilarious. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, his name is Dan, and then he gets transported to this other planet, and they're like, your name is Den. And he's like, okay. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> um, so, Micah, uh, initial impressions. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? Oh, man, this was this was a mixed bag for me. It um, Initial impressions, I, I'm going to say that I think that I liked this with some heavy doses of caveats. For sure, that with, seems fair. Yeah, with with that being said, I will say that probably 75% of this I enjoyed. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure. Um so actually let's so I feel like there are kind of three main parts of this movie that I want to discuss. Okay. And we can do it in any order you want. All right. Um I think there's the animation, there's the overall plot and story, and then the music. Let's talk about the music first, because okay. that is what I have the least to say about. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I want to touch base. So kind of one of the real big trademarks of this movie is how awesome the fucking soundtrack is. It's kind of wild. Especially if you're somebody who's into uh, like late 70s, early 80s rock. Yeah, classic rock and roll. And And a lot of it's not... Even though the name is heavy metal, a lot of it is not metal. So here are some of the bands who appear like their music is used in this film. Sammy Hagar, Devo, Blue, Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> Say that three times. Fast. Yeah. Cheap Trick, uh, Nazareth, Journey, Grand Funk Railroad, Cheap Trick, Stevie Nicks. I think I said Cheap Trick twice. You did. That's okay. But they deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, fucking Black Sabbath. That's wild. That's that's a soundtrack, especially for the time, right? Like that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think that without the soundtrack, this film becomes significantly worse. I would agree. I would agree with that. 
it's it's got a this the soundtrack helps give it a weird vibe. This has such a weird vibe of a of a film. Yeah, um, it's like a hodgepodge smorgasbord of yeah. just like like it's some of it's fantasy, some of it's science fiction, some of it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like this is not the type of thing where you can go in looking for <laughs> like uh some really clear story not or at point. All. Yeah. No, this this feels like it was um it feels like it was three teenage guys who mashed things and ideas together and made a video in their basement. That's fun. So you uh I love that you say teenage guys specifically. Yeah. As I was looking through this, I looked at kind of what was the critical response of this. Okay. And a lot of people obviously really didn't care for it. Commercially it was a uh, a fair success. Hmm. I think it was on a nine million budget. It brought in twenty million. Oh wow! Okay. And but a lot of the critics, uh, most of their criticism was like the film overall is just kind of juvenile. Sure, it's yep. tits and a lot of violence, and especially it's nineteen eighty one. So like violence in film and movies just wasn't quite at the levels. I think honestly today mm-hmm. this would barely even register as violent. Yeah, it's not... <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, for the 1980s, certainly a different era is, as far as, like, general... Uh, the general consensus of the country. Mm-hmm. So it was basically said, like, sure, it's cool. It's a neat thing that they did. The animation is fine. But overall, the stories are just very juvenile. It's yeah. just it's just tits and and guys getting shot and killed. Yeah. Like what else do you want? So I think it's I think it's neat that you pick up on that right away. Like it feels like teenagers wrote this. It really does. Yeah, yeah. I think to its credit and also uh, to its dismay, I uh, yeah, the soundtrack was fine to me. I th- I do think that the soundtrack was important, but at the same time, the soundtrack stuck out to me the least out of okay. out of the three categories. Cool. That we're talking about. I get that. And we don't have to. I just wanted to kind of shout out. I think that's a big part of this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. So what do you want to do next? Plot animation? (sighs) Let's talk about the plot, man. Okay. Let's talk about the plot. (laughs) Let's go. All right. So just kind of a quick overview. The, The plot of the story, it's an anthology and none of it is really connected except for the fact that there is this green glowing orb called the Lochnar. Mm-hmm. And the Lochnar is essentially the sum of all evil. And each story kind of shows how the Lochnar affects the people around it. So basically everybody who interacts with it is doomed to some sort of uh, horrible fate. Yeah. Yeah. It either manipulates people or kind of sets them up for death of some kind. Yeah, exactly. That being said, like, that that's really the only main through line. And even once it gets to the end, like the through line kind of, they just kind of fully throw out their entire premise at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it, because it's a series of short stories that the evil orb Lochnar itself is telling to a character. Yes. So it's like, this is how I manipulated mankind. And then it goes back and it tells you like a 20 minute story. Yeah. And then it comes back and he's like, and then this is how I manipulated it another time. And it goes on again. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's just terrifying a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause it, the movie opens quite hilariously with just a 1960s Corvette getting dropped 
out of a spaceship mm-hmm. and then just plunging into Earth's atmosphere and like <laughs> and it lands and then once it lands its parachute pops out. Yeah. And he just drives home. Yep. And then it's this guy's like, "Hey, honey, look what I just found in space." Oh, so so the the thing that made me laugh cuz I had to chuckle at the ridiculousness of this movie right at the beginning because I'm watching this and I'm like, "What? Am I watching the right thing? I had to double check. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this car coming out of a... Like, what is this? Um, And then the character gets out. It's this astronaut who's just driving the freaking car. Yeah, that's how he re-enters Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. in a fucking drop-top Corvette. Dog. Wild. <laughs> and And so he walks in, and there's no... Uh, so he sees his daughter at the top of the steps. There's no, Dad, you're home. There's nothing like that. She just goes to the top of the steps. Her immediate words are, what did you get me? <laughs> yeah. Right? And then it just goes to his face and he does this like real creepy smile. And he goes, you'll find out. <laughs> Stan, This weird Stan Lee looking fucking yeah. uh, astronaut like, driving like, a Corvette. Like, what is this? And then, and then he pulls out the orb and just melts and at that point i'm like what are what are we getting into like this and then i had to double check again like is this heavy metal is that because there's nothing about the front cover and i've only seen i this just made it clear i have not seen this film all right i thought that maybe i did no way in hell did i see this film not at all i think i just saw like the posters and yeah, you would remember all the melting people. Yeah, there's so there's many melting people. There's a lot people. of melting people. Yeah, people just got to not touch the orb. There are so many people through all of the different stories that are told where they're just like, ha, and they touch the orb and they melt immediately. Yeah. And it's it's comical to me how how that is. Yeah. So then as far as the plot goes, all of the stories are very disconnected. There's like maybe two that, that actually connect to each other. Yeah. But um, the f- the first one really jumped out to me. Harry Canyon. Yeah. And then the last one really jumped out to me. Tarna. Yeah. The one where the the mute like Amazonian warrior. Yeah. 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 So essentially the story with Tarna, that's her name. Okay. She is of the line of Tarnak, who the... The Tarnak, like a Tarnakian, or I think they're called. Yeah. Um, their entire purpose is to fight the evil. They are these warriors whose sole purpose and existence is to fight this ultimate evil. Okay. And she is the last of the line of Tarnak. And she is mute, and she's just, just this, like, sexy warrior woman flying on a, like, weird dove bird. Pterodactyl type, Pterodactyl thing. mount. Yeah. Uh, fighting these evil mutants. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So something that did bother me about that that whole thing, because, again, there's a, with a lot of these, even though it's an evil orb that is retelling or recanting a story to a little girl who happens to be the little girl whose father just melted. Yeah. And, dude, I love the animation. Side note, I love the animation of that little girl's face because she is so... So terrified. Yeah, it is absolute <laughs> terror. They really, they really nailed that down to like a comedic level, almost. You're like, holy crap! Like, look at how terrified she is. 
It's almost yeah, comical. She's pissing her pants. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I digress. In in all of these episodes, there is a busty woman. In all of them, I think. A hundred percent. Yeah. And well, so let you- me let me go through. So Grimaldi, that is the first segment. That's where the dad gets melted. He starts talking to the girl. Okay. Harry Canyon. Yeah. That's the taxi in New York City in the nineteen or yeah. in two thousand thirty one, I think. Two thousand thirty two. Something like that. But futuristic taxi in New York City. Yes. Big tits. Busty woman you see her. Yep. Den. Once again, big yep. two different big titted busty women. Yep. Uh Captain Stern. No, I you at least don't see tits in that one, but there's probably some busty women like in the crowd. That's the one where he's on trial. Right. Uh nev- Neverwhere Land. That isn't in the film. Okay. That scene got cut in like some of the DVD releases. It was released as like an extra feature, but that Neverwhere Land uh, connects the Captain Stern line with the next one, which is B-17. Okay. That one, no tits. That's just a World War II pilot. Yeah. The Lochnar lands on them. Or they're flying around in World War, like a World War II type scenario, and they land and some bunch of zombies kill them. That's they're, right. Their plane crashes and a bunch of zombies yep. kill them. Yeah, it's very, okay. That one's very short and has very little plot. It's just yeah. like, hey, look at these guys. They're flying a plane and then it goes down and they get eaten by zombies. Yeah. Uh, next is So Beautiful, So Dangerous. Busty woman, you get to see her tits. That's when she gets sucked up out of the Pentagon. Okay, or the android, yep. and it meets the an- the the sex android, the robot. Well, robot. she meets the robot who's super horny. That robot is also played by John Candy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, next is Tarna, who is basically Xena, warrior princess, flying on a bird. Yep, she's on the cover of yep. all of this. Like that's that's the character yep. on the cover. And once again, yeah, yeah. big titties, mm-hmm. big tits. Yep, yeah. So most of the movie. Every, you know, every segment, you get a uh, a big busty woman. You yeah. get to see her boobs and oftentimes her bush as well. Yeah. I mean, again, feels like it was written by a teenage boy. For sure. Um, yeah. But the scene where she gets in her armor was so weirdly sensual and too long, in my opinion. Dude. Okay, <laughs> it, so. It was a while. Okay, so I first saw this movie as a kid, like, and do that scene? Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet it. I'll bet do, it did something. That to scene you. is burnt into my mech because she's like strapping on these like rubber boots, yeah, and a fucking sword, and I mean, it is. It's a scene. Not even vague. It is just absolutely very sexually charged intentionally. Yeah, and just. So hot. Yeah. It's a cartoon and it's like you watch that scene. You're like, oh, I get hentai now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, that scene to me, I was watching it and I thought this is this is going on a little long. Like I get that she's putting her armor on, but this is like a minute of yeah. time. She's slowly putting Just, her armor yeah. on. Um, My favorite one was the very first story. Harry with, Canyon. Yeah. That was my favorite Dude, one. For sure. I. Sames. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I've always felt like that movie, or that that segment, mm-hmm. reminded me one of my favorite movies of all time. Another one I saw as a kid, fucking The Fifth Element. Yeah, I could absolutely Dude, see that. Harry Canyon is the original Corbin Dallas. Yeah, I could definitely see that. 
just a taxi driver who has experienced it all. Yeah, zero fucks to give, and then he gets roped in with this beautiful girl. Yep. And ends up having to, you know. I wonder if that was an inspiration for, for the character. Oh, let's get into that real quick. Oh, um, okay. So, I don't know. Uh, so, as I was looking through this, a number of other, like, films, it says this has served as inspiration for another of a number of other films. Okay. Now, I don't know if these are things that were expressly, like, uh, expressed by the people who made them, or if they're just guessing. I don't know how they came up with this list. But it is said that this film served as the inspiration for a number of other films. Blade Runner, Star Chaser, The Legend of Orin, never even heard of that, uh, a movie called Gandahar, Akira, huh. The Fifth Element, Titan A.E., Sausage Party, what? Mandy, The Spine of Night, Futurama, Rick and Morty. So some of those make obvious sense. Futurama, Rick and Morty, The yeah. Fifth Element, I think definitely draws a lot from that. Yeah. Um, what, what Blade about- Runner, I don't know, because that came out in 1982. So I feel like it probably would have already been like now it's in well into production yeah. by the time. And Blade Runner was also based off of a, of a short novel, I believe, called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah. So I don't know how, once again, I don't know how they came up with this list. Yeah. Um, I could see the similarity specifically from the Harry Canyon story to Blade Runner. Yeah. Definitely. I, like the Harry Canyon story feels like it could a hundred percent take place in the world of Blade Runner. Yeah. Everything's smog sure filled and shitty and, mm-hmm. and like poor and decrepit, but also futuristic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that one always gave me vibes of the fifth element. I and, yeah I I was getting the same thing actually yeah it's funny that you mentioned that I was feeling the same thing but yeah that's always been the one that uh I gra- as far as like the one I think is my favorite it's probably that one I think that there are a lot of things about it that make it really strong I think that uh, again I think that's the first one the other one that stood out to me was the last one that's what you do if you're doing a series where you you want to start strong to keep people interested and then you want to end strong to make a decent finish of the of the of the show. Yeah. So I definitely think those are the strongest pieces. I think end capping them on the ends and having the the other segments in the middle probably a smart choice. If we would have done those two at the beginning or those two at the end, I probably would have liked yeah. this experience less. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, I my whole thing with Tarna though, the mm-hmm. the last sequence, and that one's the longest of them all yeah. by far, and it makes sense because that's kind of like that's the conclusion of this loose, loosely mashed together story. Because mm-hmm. admittedly, I'll say like it does feel hodgepodgey. It does feel a little yeah. bit disconjointed. I you know I think that's a fair criticism of it. This is the one that really kind of ties it all together here's what i hate about i never realized that till just on this most recent watch okay so the whole premise of this movie is with that very beginning the orb lands and it's scaring this little girl in her house yeah and it's showing her here's all my evil you can look i've destroyed planets people have prayed to me and i destroy them all it's the sum of all evil and so he's showing, uh, like, here are all, it's showing her all its triumphs mm-hmm. of all the times, like, 
these people thought they had it good and I twisted it on them. So then he shows her this story. He's telling her this story of the 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 warrior of the line of Tarnak fighting these evil mutants. Who and once again they're made mutants. It's pretty cool. Like the the Lochnar lands in a volcano and the volcano gushes like green ooze onto all of them and yeah. turns them into these evil mutants. So the way that story ends is Tarna flying on her bird with the sword of Tarnak flies into the volcano and defeats the Lochnar. Mm-hmm. And then the Lochnar who was telling the story to the girl, then he explodes. Yep. And then she becomes the next line of Tarna. Like saying like, oh, evil will always exist, but like also will the good to defeat it. Like that's kind of the purpose, but like it makes no sense. <laughs> he's telling her a story yeah. of like here's this time here's all these times I fucking destroyed good and then why would you pick why, would, why wouldn't why would you just stop with the one before that and then yeah. kill the girl now like why do you have to tell her the, about the time when you got defeated and then get defeated right there it made it makes no sense the part that doesn't make any sense to me about it is how did he get defeated because he's telling the story. So from her point of view, agape with her mouth open. Yeah. All right. He's just telling her this story and then he explodes. Yeah. Like, that's, like that's what's happening. Yeah. By, t- by recalling a story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Which, and once again, he decided to recall the story. <laughs> he decided to recall the story in which he got destroyed, and then it destroyed him again. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So, and then somehow transformed this young teenage girl into a warrior princess with a magical bird that f- shows up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So there are some plot holes. There, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And like genuinely. I've, I just never even, like, it never even clicked with me till this most recent watch. Like, oh, that doesn't make sense, like, in any way at all. Yeah, it's a strange, yeah, why would you even want to tell that story? I like, guess they just needed an ending. Let me tell you about the story of how I was defeated. I guess they just needed an ending, and they were like, we can't let evil win out. Right. So. Yeah, I mean. It's a very weird premise, though, for how to end the story. Yeah, but you would think that they would, I don't know. Like, maybe may- he just tells the story and then she she defeats him. Yeah, that's like- the, like, <laughs> the bird shows up anyway, and then she can get on the bird and she becomes, you know, have her defeat the thing. I don't know. That's not just to have the whole yeah. house explode. Give her some redemption because. She's got nothing going on. She's got like two lines in the beginning. Her dad gets melted. And then she's got to listen to this orb who just melted her dad for like an hour. Yeah, and then he just explodes and she's like, okay, that was cool. Yeah. That was that was a weird experience. She's gonna need therapy for years. Oh man. Alright, so you liked Harry Canyon. I did. Yeah. I I, um, I did enjoy that one. I do I think that one has a really fun narrative. Yeah. Um it zips through, and I love that like in the end, he ends up melting her with his... Yeah, with his little uh, melting ray in his cab. In his taxi. Yeah, I just love that he's got a melting like ray beam in the back seat that he'll just click with a, with a pedal, an extra yeah, pedal in his car. Yeah, because he gets stuck up so often. Yeah. 
Very yeah. funny. The next one is Den. That's one. Once again, that's the dork. He mm-hmm. finds a. He's like, I found this meteorite, and I just hung on to it, and then all of a sudden, it transferred me to another planet. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly what the person who wrote this plot was sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. Oh man. So, what do you want to do with a yeah? That story? one definitely. Okay, that one definitely feels like a that's teenage a teenager fantasy. fantasy Absolutely, of like I'm is. a I'm a dork who's into microscopes and telescopes and yeah. fucking geology. And you get transported to a world where now you just are a bulking he- behemoth. Yeah, yeah now and, yeah, now you're a big Idris Elba looking motherfucker yeah, just and, rescuing dames. And then also just can we talk about the women in that segment in particular? Okay. They are so ridiculous. <laughs> They're so ridiculous. They're like he shows up and he's like, what's this? He and now he's like big and bulky and, and Yeah, now he talks about yeah. this. Like, what what oh, where are all these muscles coming from? I don't um got no hair? Oh man. And then he sees this lady getting sacrificed by some cult, and he just picks her up to save her, and swims through a like, I don't. They're like around a pool. Yeah, and he like and, swims through a underwater cave. Yeah, but the way that he is saving her is he's just dragging her through water for don't even know how long, and he's just hanging onto her with his ankle. And she, like his ankle is wrapped around a chain that is tied to her. So she's just tied up being dragged underwater for an untold amount of time. Yeah. And then when he gets out and gets her out, the first thing she does is go. Let's I would fuck. Yeah. I would like to please you. <laughs> and I'm willing to do that. <laughs> yes. Like. Who wrote the dialogue for this? Somebody very horny. <laughs> Just, it's... Although, honestly, if that guy saved you, you're telling me you wouldn't want to please him? Come on. It's... He's an you Adonis. Could, you could give, like, a <laughs> couple of, hey, thanks. Like They gotta zip through the story, my They, re- they really do. They, you know, she's not gargling up water... She's not spitting up. No, any. she plans on gargling something else, <laughs> dog. <laughs> but so that's just a silly thing, right? I'm, I'm like, who who wrote this? And then while he's he's like, oh man, this is awesome. He gets attacked by the priestess, who probably knew exactly where he was going because he jumped into a pool. All right, it's not like he jumped into a river. Yeah. All right. So he, this priestess is trying to run this sacrifice. And then this asshole out of nowhere just steals this woman and swims away. That priestess knows. He's like, damn it. Like, well, no, no, because he stole it from the guy. There was a guy who was going to sacrifice her. She stole it and went to the other camp, which was the priestess. Because the priestess and the the guy are both fighting over the Lochnar. Yeah, but the priestess is the one who was sacrificing her in the beginning. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. I mixed up. Sorry. It was, it was a big-titted woman with, like, a mask over her face. Oh, that's right. You're right. Right? He ran to the other guy, and the other guy yeah. was like, yeah, that lady's evil. Go steal the Lochnar for me. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah, love yeah. the voice actor who plays that guy. Yeah, I liked that character, too, because he tries to kill him, 
and he just I, did he get did he shoot him? What did he shoot him with? I don't know. There's so much going on. Yeah. I don't know because I want to say that he shot him with a gun, but that the that environment. Oh yeah, those guys had guns. Did they have guns? Okay. Yeah, it's this weird like fantasy world that's like floating in space. Okay. Well, anyway, th- so he goes to steal the Lochnar, and he's like in the dark, reaching out to grab the thing, and then he's like, "Wait a second. And then the lights turn on, and he's grabbing the the tits of the priestess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just this awkward thing where she's like, "Kill him." And then as they're getting ready to kill him, she's like, wait. Wait a second. Let me have sex with him instead. He yeah, and all the guards me. are like, man, another one. And yeah. She's like, dude, she's the queen. She can do what she wants. <laughs> yeah. And so then, you know, they do the deed and they're just pillow talking afterwards. And then some stupid henchman runs in and he's like, queen, the, the orb has been stolen. And then she looks at him and she's like, you tricked me. Like, bitch, you're the one who just took your top off and stood in front of me. She was blinded by the dick, Micah. Uh, It's so ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's definitely written from a very male perspective. Yeah. (laughs) But. A hundred percent. In a a goofy way, though. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know. It is very silly. All right. And that pretty much sums up Den. Yeah. Uh, next one is Captain Stern. This is also one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Where you have this like tribunal of this pirate is essentially being, uh, he's on trial for, I think this one is like the funniest of them. I would agree. Uh, where they're like, he's on trial for so uh, many things. So, (laughs) so many things like, uh, uh, like multiple counts of murder and rape and larceny are like. And one moving violation. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets this dopey guy, Hanover Fist. What a perfect name. Too. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. And he's like, I've known Mr. for so long, except for the time he was running that childhood prostitution <laughs> ring. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and and it's like this weird outburst. And he's like, yeah, and he was always so good to me, except when he was selling dope dressed as a nun. <laughs> <laughs> Such and, a, yeah. And Captain Stern is a very funny, like, character. I love him because he's, like, cocky and confident. Oh, do you that, think- And that is Eugene Levy. Yeah, okay, that's perfect. That's a perfect cast for yeah. him. Do you think, then, that the—so, to go back to the things that were inspired by this, were they saying Futurama because of this guy? Like, yeah, was this Zach, Zach Brannigan, Zach 100% Brannigan? inspired by See, this See, I guy. always looked at Zach Brannigan like- as a— as a parody of Shatner. It's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. And once again, I don't know if people actually gave like that list. I don't know if that's somebody's interpretation or if, you know, the creators of those things said I was inspired by this. Yeah. Who knows? But he definitely feels like a more mature, like dark Zap Brannigan. Yeah. Whereas Zap Brannigan is kind of like hapless and stupid. Mm-hmm. This guy is kind of a similar character, but just like evil. <laughs> yep. <sighs> and then you get uh, B-17. I mean, nothing much to say. It's a bunch of World War II guys get killed by zombies. Yep. So beautiful, so dangerous. 
that's the one with the robot yeah the the stenographer gets sucked up from the pentagon on accident what a goofy one that was dude i like that one i love those drug addict aliens oh that are driving the ship (laughs) yeah uh that one of those guys is harold ramos okay yeah yeah that was kind of a fun one i thought that the funniest thing about that was the robot saying we should get married after after they do the deed (laughs) and she's like what no, I've got a boyfriend, and he's like, he doesn't have to know. <laughs> and, and then she's like, well, if we're going to get married, it's got to be a Jewish wedding. And then she asks him if he's circumcised. <laughs> he's a robot. <laughs> and that, I think that's how it ends. Yeah. yeah like, that was, that was pretty funny. That one was a little bit more clever. But again, I, wh- what's the point of that where was where was the um where was the evil orb in that one i don't even remember um okay so she somehow ended up with the Lochnar as a like a pendant on a necklace okay so what's happening in that one is that one's kind of takes place in the current time 1980s mm-hmm. when it was made and it's the pentagon and people are like we keep seeing these strange reports of aliens what's going on and there's this scientist who's like, oh, I don't know. It's definitely not aliens. That we're definitely alone in the universe. Oh, yeah. And that's the scientist that then, happens to be a robot. Then he sees the Lochnar and he just immediately goes and like motorboats the stenographer, the <laughs> right. lady with the big tits. <laughs> and that's when they get sucked up and you end up finding out he's an android. Yeah. But as far as like what the Lochnar actually accomplished in that. Nothing. I don't know. Aside from. It let everybody know that aliens are real because a big spaceship came and sucked them up out yeah. of the Pentagon. And it got a Jewish lady made, married to a robot. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> I always kind of feel like. <laughs> Can you imagine if this little girl that is being told all these stories actually had some courage and was able to ask questions was during like, this? Yeah, like, wait, wait, what? Wait. How is that relevant? Yeah. <laughs> and because the story before that. Is about the death of like all these uh, World War Two or World pilots, War One vets. Yeah. He's like, and then this next time, my next evil deed, I made a woman. <laughs> I made marry. a Jewish woman have sex with a robot, <laughs> right? and, and she still got. And the some terrified... other aliens were really cool and did a bunch of coke. Yeah, <laughs> she still got the really terrified face, just like what like, the audacity. <laughs> You know, I never thought about that. Yeah. As far as, like, the context of, like, the overarching, like, yeah. that really makes no sense. None at all. Because there is some dark stuff that happens prior to it, and then there's just this... That was ju- just, like, this, a like, fun story. T- yeah, this yeah. tiny little fun story in the middle, and then there's more dark stuff that happens after it. Yeah. It's, like, did he get sidetracked? Is he, like, an elderly person who starts talking about people by name who you know they don't, like, they know the that Lock you don't Nars know. Joe Biden. Yeah. He's just, like, has no idea what's going on at certain points. <laughs> just starts going off into these stories, and you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, Lochnar? what? What did you just, I, anyway. Hairy legs. And you're like, Lochnar, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. That, I, does that, did we cover all the stories? I think that we did. I, pretty much, unless there's anything else you want to say about Tarna. No, we pretty much covered Tarna. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Lots of right. heads chopping off on that one. That yeah. one's kind of fun. Yeah, that one, action-wise, I feel like that one, that one takes the cake as far as, like, the action scene. It's a great 
just violence and just like uh, fantasy violence, heads being chopped off Uh and uh just kind of like a badass protagonist who can just take on anybody. She's the witcher. You know what I mean? Right. She's just taking all taking on all comers all by herself. Yeah. All right. Last piece animation. This is where I'm most curious for your your thoughts as a professional artist yeah. slash animator slash I mean I guess you're not technically an animator but no it, yeah but that's something I feel like could easily be in your wheelhouse if you decided to yeah um, so somebody with a lot of knowledge in the art world what are your thoughts on the animation because for me let me tell you my thoughts and you tell me if I'm a dumbass or not no yeah 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 let's hear it. is I try to account for the fact that it's made in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. And so when I watch it, I think like, this looks really cool. I think this is really cool animation. Am I a dumbass? Uh, No, no, I don't think so. I think that a lot of this animation is pretty neat. Um, It, it has a high variance. I think there are some times where it's really, really cool. And then there are times where you can tell they started to hit a, uh, like a, a, a timeline budget where they're like, okay, we're running out of time. We got to get this thing done. Um, Let me explain that to you real quick. Oh, okay. At least that's what it seems like. Again, I did no research for this so, episode. It was a bit of a time crunch. I figured. But because of the time crunch, the way they did it is all the segments were given to different animation studios. Oh, okay. So the beginning, Soft Landing, MGM Titles, and TV Cartoons Limited. Grimaldi. Hales and Bachelor Animation, Harry Canyon, Atkinson Film Arts, Den, uh, Voltone, Captain Stern Boxcar Animation, B17, Atkinson Film Arts. So there's different, I mean, it goes yeah, on. Yeah, sure. Now. There's different studios doing different things. So there's a bunch of different studios all. Uh, that, working on this. That makes sense because some of them really felt one. The style's not consistent through through it anyway. Like if you look at the character, uh, I forget what the pilot, the guy who was put on trial, the captain, Captain Stern. Yeah, that one has a much more cartoonish feel and sure. look to it than a lot of the other ones. Okay. Um, just look at his chin, for example. Like yeah. that that character is very cartoony. If you compare it to the first story with the taxi driver. Um, it's a, just a totally different vibe. So there's a, a large amount of rotoscoping that's done in this. I was going to ask you, I, I was going to ask you, do you know what rotoscoping? Oh yeah. Is? yeah because absolutely. I was looking into this and it does use a lot of rotoscoping. Yeah, rotoscoping is, can really give you a cool effect. Um, can you give a quick description to the audience for that? Yeah. So, so rotoscoping is... You essentially film the video as if you're just filming a standard film. You've got um, you've got people acting out the parts, and the camera's doing the motions that you would normally do. And then they take those frames, and artists trace over top of those uh, those videos frame by frame, and then they turn that those tracings into an animation based off of what was taken so what that does and and sometimes they basically keep the video and they just put the artwork on top of it Mm -hmm. sometimes they get rid of the video completely and they just use the tracings you know rotoscoping can be a varying degree kind of on that on that spectrum at the very beginning with the 
the spaceship and the car and the astronaut coming down. Like that's really pretty obvious where it is going. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that a lot a lot of this, especially the first uh, short story with the taxi driver, a lot of that's rotoscoping. Yep. Um, and I can tell just because there are the neat thing about it is that we as people have a lot of really subtle movements just in our day to day. While we talk, there is a a large amount of tiny little head nods, like the shifting of your weight while you're talking. And there's so much that we do that we don't even realize that we're doing it. So when we go to animate, there's so much that we don't even think about to animate. And also just the time that it would take up to, to try and do that believably would be just ridiculous. So a neat, in consequence, when you rotoscope, you're just tracing over somebody who's doing the acting. So all of those subtle intricacies of the human body and their movements are caught because you're just tracing somebody doing it. So it gives a different feel to the animation. And and a lot of the, this animation felt really, really smooth. And part of that is because of the rotoscoping. Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact, there is one scene in this film that is not animated. Is it the house blowing up? It is the house blowing up at the very end. Once the Loch Nahar has for some reason told this girl about the time he got destroyed and then destroyed himself again, (laughs) the house just blows up. Yeah, that that didn't look so my my guess is that they ran out of time. They ran out of time. It was supposed it was supposed to be rotoscoped and it was not. Uh, so they just left in the house just, blowing up. This is a video now. Yep. So yeah, it was probably like a model house then. Yeah. That they exploded. That's cool. Yeah, I, there's a decent amount of this animation that I really enjoyed. I really did. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I thought that the animation was pretty solid. And again, I had to think about the time that it was made and think about what it was what what else was happening, especially in the West? This was done in Canada. Uh-huh. So we're in the West now. Akira came out in 88, I think. And this came out in 81. So this was actually ahead of that. Yeah. But, which is pretty impressive to me. I didn't realize that that time frame was, was that way. But I think that the reason that it was able to do so much was because of the heavy use of rotoscoping on this. Okay. Where Akira doesn't have any of that. Okay. Um, yeah, the there was an animated Lord of the Rings movie as well. I've I've seen like bits and pieces of it. Yeah, it only covers the first two books. That movie cover it just covers the first two books. It doesn't do the third one. But there's a lot of rotoscoping in that too. Um, the I forget what the evil. The so evil. you think of that period of time? Because I imagine that was around the same time, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Let you, me double was check. that kind of like the flavor of the month in that period of time? Well, it just gave where they a, were just like, "Hey, this gives us this new tool, yeah, to let us animate things in a really unique, like, smooth way." Yeah, because I mean, you're always animation is such a time-consuming process. You're always looking for shortcuts. I mean, if you look at anime TV shows with the quick turnaround, they're there's a big reason that a side profile of an anime character, the whole mouth is contained within the silhouette of the head of the character so that they don't have to redraw those lips all the time. They can just draw that mouthpiece opening up and down. Yeah. So they don't have to. They, um, so you're always looking for shortcuts. Um, 1978 is when that movie was done. Okay. So it's it's like in the heyday of, of, of that, I guess. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's very cool. I do like rotoscoping. I think it gives a neat look. Yeah, especially in that opening scene called Soft Landing, because mm-hmm. they kind of break up the segment where like him actually landing, coming down from space and him landing mm-hmm. and then him interacting with his daughter and like, hey, here's my thing. And then he melts. Yeah, those those are actually two different segments, two different studios. Yeah. And you so can kind of tell where, where that cutoff is. Yeah, it's really I love that opening scene of that fucking Corvette coming down. It's, it's pretty cool. It's very weird. Uh, yeah, it's unique. So, uh, I knew we're getting about that time. We are. So, what are we thinking? Let's go, we're gonna rate this guy on a scale of 1 to 666 green evil orbs. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, man. <sighs> I think, I think I'm gonna go with 444. Yeah, evil green orbs for this one. Maybe 555. Maybe five. You know what? 525 evil green orbs. Nice. That's where I'm going with it. How about on a scale of 1 to 100 sets of big animated tits? Oh, geez. Uh, 70. Yeah, 73. 73 sets. <laughs> big animated uh, yep, tits. Big animated nice. tits. Yep. <laughs> right on. Yep. Yeah, I, I I liked a lot of this. I th- and maybe it's just because I like sci-fi, I like fantasy. So I'm naturally inclined to be receptive to this style of film. Mm-hmm. And I also like animation. So all of that is Nice. You know, it's it's all going for me. Okay, I figured you were going to, like, enjoy it or hate it. Yeah. Because I, I did think there was a possibility, like, you may hate all of the narrative because it's so all over the place. Yeah. And I was like, I once again, I was like, I don't know if the animation is good. Right. I'm a, I'm a fucking, like, uh, uh, layman when it comes to that. Sure. Yeah, no, I thought, I, I enjoyed it. I did. I do think that the content was a bit juvenile. I think that's sure. a that's a really good way to sure. describe it. Um, so don't try to watch this if you're looking for some deep narrative. <laughs> yeah, no, this is just fun. <laughs> yeah, this is just a fun movie, and I th- and I think honestly, it's not it's not trying to feel deep. Anybody who I think any criticism of it being juvenile or deep, it's like you're looking for the wrong thing. Yeah, I would you know agree. what I mean. Like you got to go into it knowing, like, it's just it's just meant to be teenage boy fantasy mm-hmm. stuff, and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just TNA. Did you look into the magazine at all for this? No, my un- like no, but just kind of like the bits and pieces I picked up looking through the other stuff mm-hmm. is my guess is it was probably probably kind of like a collection magazine like a magazine of collections of like short stories like and, a mad magazine type of thing yeah exactly yeah so that's that's i wonder when the magazine was coming out um so so fun interesting fact about the mad about mad magazine is the reason that it is mad magazine is because originally it wanted to be a comic book but the comics code authority uh, was really going to be against that. So there was this company called, I'm pretty sure it was the Comics Code Authority. 
Yeah. So it was this company called the Comics Code Authority. And essentially, they were kind of like the ESRB of comic books. Like they would rate comic books. And they would say that comic books needed to follow a set of guidelines. Yeah. Because we're coming out of the pulp comic book era where there's a lot of really dark stuff. And then kids are just picking these comic books up off the shelf. And then parents are thinking, what the heck are my kids reading? What is this evil comic book stuff? So then the company, the Comic Code Authority, is an entity that will now regulate what can be and what cannot be in comic books. Okay. Interesting. So, I just a quick uh, Wikipedia here. Yeah. Uh, Heavy Metal, the magazine, it was a science fiction and fantasy comic magazine published between 1977 and 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unlike the traditional, this is just directly from the page, unlike the traditional American comic books of that time, bound by the restrictive Comics Code Authority, Mm -hmm. Heavy Metal featured explicit content. It started out primarily as a licensed translation of a French science fantasy magazine called Metal Herant. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically this was like the for a lot of people the heavy metal magazine yeah. was like a lot of Americans' first introduction to European comics. Okay. And the kind of more dark and more mature material. Sure. So like Mad Magazine came out and became Mad Magazine because the Comics Code Authority had authority over comic books, okay, but so not magazines. Yep, same thing here. Yep, that's kind of what I figured. So that's interesting. Okay, and I kind of figured that it was probably around the same time. So, all right, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Okay, well, there you have it, folks. Um, heavy Metal, the animated film from the 1980s, based on the magazine from even earlier, trying to skirt around, pretty high skirt if I might add, the Comics Code Authority. What do you guys think? Are you fans? Have you watched it? Did you find it online for free? I hope that you did. It's um, it's an interesting watch. Only a couple bucks though on Amazon. So if you haven't yes. seen it, and us kind of retelling some of the events of it intrigues you, go check it out. It's worth a watch if you are okay with watching films made from a different time. Yeah, if you're good with blood and guts and boobs, yeah, it's for you. Yeah, if you happen to be a male audience, it's real guy shit. Yeah, I was gonna say real dude shit. If you happen to be a male audience and you have a wife who's sensitive to that, maybe just wait for her to go to sleep. Yeah, I my wife, like I said, I showed this to her a couple years ago. Yeah, and she watched maybe the first twenty thirty minutes and was like, "I'm just not into this." Yeah, and then then I finished it alone. Yeah, so, there's there's nothing yeah. really that makes me think a female audience would like this at all. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, so, and it probably wouldn't even go over with a bunch of beta males. So, <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> they'd be like, "That's that's not that's not right." She she needs to make the decision, and he, whatever. I get it. All right, it's a different time. It's 2023. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Take your top knot and go back to fucking Starbucks. Anyway, so <laughs> tell us what you think. Get a hold of us. Um, Thor, what's the best way for them to get a hold of us? 
Uh, contact us directly via email at getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Or you can just reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at getrectpodcast. <sighs> All right. So. I need a recommendation for next week. Oh, okay, so. Thor, have you seen the TV show called Severance? I have not. Okay. So that's what we're going to get into then. This is on Apple TV, which I freaking love. I love Apple TV. There's a few good things on there. There's a lot of really good stuff on Apple TV. I like, I genuinely, I don't think it's great, yeah. but it's okay. Uh, they have uh, the, uh, if you've ever read the Foundation series, it's from Isaac Asimov, mm-hmm. the, the greatest science fiction writer of all fucking time. Uh, they did a series uh, just called Foundation. It's kind of like the first uh, book, Foundation. They take a lot of liberties and change a lot, but I, I think it's I think it was the right move. Okay, because those books are, although incredible, I don't think they would translate really awesome to just a TV show if they didn't change stuff. Okay, um, but that that's all I've really watched on there. On there, okay. So yeah, we're gonna watch this show called Severance. It. Uh, is created by a guy named Dan Erickson. Um, it mainly has Adam Scott, who have you oh, seen? Yeah, yeah, uh, no, I know. Uh, Com- Parks Commun- and Rec. Yeah, yeah. He Parks plays and Rec. Uh, Ben. Yeah, so he's the main, uh, and he's also the asshole brother in Step Brothers. Yeah, he plays a really good jerk. Dude, he's so good. I love him. He's uh, awesome. So it's got him. It's got John Turturro. I don't know if you know who John Turturro is. I fucking love John Turturro. The name Turturro. sounds familiar. Uh, he Have you seen Big Lebowski? Yeah. He plays Jesus or Jesus in John, in The Big Lebowski. Okay. Uh, he, you would know him if you see him. You, you'll know him. Yeah, I'll look. Yeah. It, uh, it also has Christopher Walken in it. Okay. I'm on board. Yeah. It's, so it's a, it's a pretty, pretty wild show. Um, it's kind of a psychological drama type of scenario. Okay. The plot is this company has created a um, a program that they call the Severance Program. And it's not exactly described for what the company does. It doesn't really get into the details of what this company produces or gives as a means of service. But... Evidently, it's so secret that there's content that they cannot risk getting out into the public. So, they have a floor in their building that's called the severance floor. And employees have signed up so that once they get onto that floor, it separates their memories from their work life and every other facet of their life. Oh, neat. So, when they're working, they have no memory of who they are outside of work and then when they leave work they have no memory of what they've done for the day interesting yeah and that's the that's the premise of the of the show okay so how much am i watching um you can watch as much as you want it's only one season long right now and i think it's i think it's eight episodes so you can watch, okay i'll probably watch it all you can watch whatever whatever you want you tell me how far you get and then we'll talk about it from there Okay, right on. Sounds good. Yeah, but it's um, so it's on Apple TV. It's a pretty good show. I I enjoy it, and I'm I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. So 
Next week, folks, we're going to get into the TV show Severance on Apple TV. You should watch it and then show up next week and listen to us talk about it. Join in the conversation. Get a hold of us. As always, folks, until next time. As always. (laughs) I'm going to leave it in. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, You get wrecked out there. And stay wrecked. Yeah. Man. I could go for some rotoscoped boobs right Big now. Tits. <laughs>